This episode of Pondering Nerdcast was brought to you by GamingRebellion.com. Join the community today at GamingRebellion.com, where it's more than just games. Hi, Ponderers. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Pondering Nerdcast. I'm Nikki. Um, I know you guys haven't heard from me in a while because I've been on our YouTube channel doing uh, interviews with great people at different conventions, and I'm back with an audio interview this time. Um, I missed you guys. Uh, Guess who I'm talking with today? Brian Olson. He's an author and a playwright who is with us in NYC now, but he's originally from Boston. Um, Brian, can you tell the pondering nerds what uh, what you do, who you are, and what you enjoy most about being an author and a playwright? Uh, sure. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, I'm an author of uh, science fiction and fantasy novels with uh, LGBT plus and um, diverse sort of cast of characters, uh, books with a lot of action. I write thrillers with a sense of humor. Um, Started out in theater, um, which is where I was playwriting a long time ago, and then acting and directing, uh, although I kind of have given that up a bit, uh, really focused on just writing these novels for the past couple of years. Um, and I love everything about it. I, I, my only regret is that I came to it so late that I only started about four years ago, um, because it's really just uh, been an incredible uh, creative outlet for me. And I've met some incredible people. Uh, yeah, I love pretty much everything about it. That's awesome. So you are really fulfilled by this line of work um, before you delved into writing or even in your screenplay work, um, was there any other creative outlets that you've had maybe growing up? Uh, really, my whole life was theater. I started in it very, very young. Okay. Um, uh, writing and acting and directing, uh, doing all three. Um, really still think of myself as a theater person and still hope to get back to it someday. Um, but where once it was going to be my whole life. Um, Originally, I wanted to be uh, an actor and a playwright, um, and then sort of moved more into directing, got behind the scenes and was uh, producing for a little while. Uh, And that was kind of, that was really everything. And I thought that was fulfilling me. Um, And then I was in a place where when I was producing, I wasn't uh, wasn't directing or acting, really. I didn't have time for it because I was working on other people's shows. And that's when I started just sort of experimenting with writing uh, prose as as a creative outlet. And it was, um, it was great. Um, it just sort of, it, it scratched that creative outlet itch that a lot of us have um, in a way uh, that I hadn't experienced before. Um, theater was just fulfilling, but as a life, um, writing prose novels is, uh, is really more attractive to me at this point. Wow. That's pretty awesome. And, yeah. and it's all story. It's all yes, it just is. getting your imagination out. It is. Out of your mind. Absolutely. And my my life in the theater is really what prepared me for writing these books because I really did learn how, I mean, I spent 20 years, 20 plus years learning how to tell stories and the the medium changed, but the core of what makes a story didn't. Um, So both as, uh, as an actor, as a writer, as a director, working with other writers and helping them develop their scripts uh, really helped me learn, really taught me um, how to be a writer. Wonderful. And so you are the author of the Future Next Door series, mm-hmm. which um, I read online uh, this one description. It's a contemporary urban science fiction comedic thriller series. 
this read to me like an initially funny line like that was intentional there was so mm -hmm. many different genres in that line but it's kind of true your writing really is all of these things so but if you had to choose one category <laughs> what would the future next door series be Just i i would say genre. I, the the genre that i i think it would be I would probably call it urban science fiction um, as opposed to urban fantasy. Because if I just say science fiction, people think, you know, mostly they'll go to first like spaceships, Star Trek. Um, and it's not. It's set in contemporary New York City. And it's ordinary people who get caught up in these sort of extraordinary things. Uh, but it's science fiction elements that they get caught up in. Um, so the first book is really, uh, the whole series is sort of a mishmash of genres, like you said. So I, I wanted to find some way to express that and express the sense of humor of the series. So uh, rather than avoid it and just say, oh yeah, it's science fiction, then have to sort of explain it. I just thought I'll just get every genre that I'm covering out there in one sentence. Well, that's pretty effective and it, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, I actually, uh, I learned recently that there's such a thing as hard sci-fi mm -hmm. from uh, Lance, our executive producer and co-host. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny. And then there's soft sci-fi i guess the yeah, opposite I, of hard i get what hard sci-fi is maybe yeah. i'm writing soft sci-fi and i don't know it because uh, hard <laughs> sci-fi is definitely that sort of space opera um mm. uh, genre um, which i love to read and to watch but isn't really i'm not really drawn to as a writer so yeah maybe i don't know the definition of soft sci-fi but maybe if it's the opposite i guess maybe that's what i'm writing okay yeah ditto i I'll, so much to learn <laughs> <laughs> um so in your Future Next Door series, um, you've created a variety of perspectives in, your, in those books. Uh, I believe it's four books in the series? Yes. Four books. Uh, what kind of research did you do for the character development? Because the characters are so diverse. Right. Um, a, a, a good amount, um, mostly just by talking to people, honestly. Um, it was some internet research, of course. Uh, so the, the four main characters... Um, are uh caitlin alan mark, mark and dakota yeah um so we've got uh alan is white and gay caitlin is white and straight mark is uh asian, asian american and straight, and, straight yes. and dakota is black and lesbian mm -hmm. um and i didn't i consciously chose diverse characters because i i believe that's important but also because that's my life. Um, that's what I'm drawn to. It would seem weird to me to write a book with characters who are just all white gay men like me. So um, so it was never a question that the books weren't going to be diverse in that way. Uh, but also I have to be aware that just because I have diverse friends doesn't mean I know what it's like to live from a perspective different from my own. Um, so it was important for me to talk to my friends, talk to people online, do research, um, because I really wanted to, to get into the lives of these four characters. And straddle the line of um, not telling, I'll put this the right way, uh, not telling stories that aren't mine to take while still writing lead characters who are different from myself, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, so, for instance, Mark's character um, is uh, uh, Asian American. He's Korean American. Uh, so he was uh, adopted by a white family. And that's very different from my perspective. Um, so I had a friend who uh, who was the same, who was an Asian American woman who was adopted by a white family, a Korean American woman. So I talked to her. We had a really long talk, along a really great talk, which was a, a supplement to other research I had been doing online. But I still felt like it was important to talk to a real person and get a real person's perspective. And Mark's story isn't hers. Um, the stories aren't the same. Uh, but I talked to her about where I was thinking of going, uh, got her understanding of how realistic that would be. 
Um, and yeah, just sort of sort of uh, gathered other experiences to help create these characters. In such a funny way. <laughs> Thank you. Culturally, that there's some bits of culture in there too, mm-hmm. and. I mean, and we're all, we're so much more similar than we are different, yep. and we all have so many commonalities, regardless of what ethnicity we are. Um, and I thought that really shined in your books. So, oh, great, good, thank you. That's that what was I was enjoyable going for. for sure, for sure. Um, well, one thing that I did notice right away, uh, visually, the book covers. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their back towards um, every. Um, uh, I guess character, the main character, was right. on the book cover, and their back was towards the reader yep. or the viewer. Was that intentional and why? Uh, well, I mean, obviously it's intentional, but how come? Uh, well, I have a good designer, um, and it started not as a uh, a theme. It started with just Alan Lennox when that first book was published, trying to come up with a cover. Um, so there were a couple ideas that my designer presented to me, and that was, to me, the most striking. And we played with it a bit and tweaked it a little bit. Um, and then from there, when it came to do the next book, I knew that I wanted something thematic to tie the whole series together. Uh, and it grew into this really, I think, a really powerful, striking design. Um, and one thing I like about it is that because we are seeing the characters' backs, although if you read the books, it's very clear which character is on which cover, mm-hmm. apart from the fact that they're the title character of that book, uh, it also means you can sort of envision them how you want to envision them without having a um, a model space in your head. Right on. Okay. And that just makes us more curious because yeah. as people, we're, if we're denied something, we want to know what it's about more. And that goes for people, too. Yep. So uh, that makes sense to me. Um, well, I've read a lot of reviews online for your books, and I don't think I read one bad review, honestly. There are um, a few out there. There always are. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't see any. Okay. And even if I did, it, it would be really few and far between. Um, but... I've read about people crying over your books. They were they were laughing so hard. Um, I laughed out loud when I was um, reading the temp job of doom on the train. Um, you have lines like "spread them for windows." You wrote like "spread them for windows." It's an it's a knockoff of Excel. <laughs> um, stuff like that. Just so many great comedic moments, and it shows your hilarious wit. Were you this funny of a writer before moving to New York? I'm wondering if New York City. Um, opened up this this funny side to you or were you always this funny i of think a writer uh i think i get it from my family really oh okay um, i come from a big family and uh my parents and all of my siblings are all pretty funny and i'm the youngest so i had to work extra hard just to keep up with them so uh i've always everything i've written back when i was writing theater i started writing theater in high school and it's always been comedy it's always been, been what i've been drawn to in fact the the challenge for this series for me um, was the non-comedic parts um, was because it's it's funny, but it's also a thriller and it's a sci-fi adventure. Yeah, um, and it's a people are killed. Story of these <laughs> li- yeah, people die, um, and we follow these people's lives and their relationships. And I want people to get emotionally invested in it. And that that was the part I had to work on. Um, the, I had to sort of force myself to say, no, you can do this. You can write something that isn't just gag 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 while still having plenty of jokes in there. Right on. Okay. Um, well. I'm kind of curious because I'm I'm now reading uh, The Temp Job of Doom. Mm-hmm. And I have an idea of how it may end, but I'm probably <laughs> going to be wrong. I'm not going to tell you. I, uh, don't tell me. Um, but since I'm not going to find out yet what the ending is going to be mm-hmm. until I encounter it, you can tell me an alternate ending that you may have had in mind for 
the first book. Okay. What would the alternate ending be? Let me think this through because it's funny because there are alternate paths the book was going to take mm-hmm. um, because it started uh, in my head. It started actually um, the, the core idea started not as a book, but as a um, serialized theater piece. Okay. I can um, see that. Actually, It was going to be, uh, yeah, it was going to be sort of this, rec- this cast of characters. I was actually thinking it was going to be like a, a, a karaoke type musical where they would sing pop songs. Um, and it would carry from week to week and do a certain number of episodes. So wow. Come back. Um, but it was very, you know, that was just an idea in my head. So it was very different. Um, Alan and Dakota are the only, uh, were the stars of it. There was no Caitlin or Mark at that point. Um, and it got into the whole, I don't know how far you are in the book, but it got into the business. Yes. Um, in the, in the play version, Dakota worked there and, and she mm-hmm. was the one who sort of discovered everything, which is sort of how it happens in the, this book too. And Alan got sucked into it. Um, so I don't know, I don't know that I ever thought out all the way through to the ending for that. Okay. But, uh, that's an alternate beginning, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can see that. Um, and I absolutely love the karaoke spin of it. <laughs> oh, wow. A karaoke play. Mm-hmm. It's not quite a musical. No, it's not quite a jukebox musical because you'd be, you know, because uh, I, I was very involved in, in uh, downtown theater back in like the, the late 90s when I was first getting started in theater in New York. And so there are a lot of things happening in bars and sort of alternative spaces. And so that was how I envisioned it was in this sort of not a traditional theater space. And I thought, oh, a bar with the karaoke machine. Okay. Very cool. I'm, I love your mind. I, I can't <laughs> wait to to finish the rest of the book, honestly. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about your experience um, getting the book out to mm-hmm. distributors. Um, in particular, there was a, a digital public uh, publication company um an ebook uh distributor called 24 symbols yes um i would like to know what is the deal with 24 (laughs) symbols um yeah can you tell me a little bit about the the drama that happened around them the unnecessary drama yes that i saw online this was i i want to say it was two christmases ago um and i want to start before i before i say it's kind of the story doesn't look good for them. I do want to say they fixed this problem very quickly. Yes, they did. Um, so I want to give them that credit before I, I uh, retroactively trash them. <laughs> but they uh, uh, they were they were blurring out. Um, they made a decision to blur out all the covers of any book that was erotica. Um, but in doing that, they also blurred out any uh, covers of books that were tagged LGBT. Um, and they had this is, this is an online ebook, um, a small ebook vendor online. Uh, that's big, not very big in America, but they were trying to uh, break into like the cell phone ebook reader market around the world. It was a Spanish company, uh, Spain Spanish. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. I believe so. I think so. And uh, so I noticed this, and I was, you know, so there were ridiculous things like you know Oscar Wilde's books were blurred out, the covers were blurred, you know, anything that was tagged LGBT, and my books were blurred out. So I, I contacted first. Um, I go through this for some companies, for smaller companies like that. I go through a company called Drafted Digital, who are great. Who um, basically take my ebook and distribute it to companies that it's it's I, I can't there are too too many of them too smaller vendors to go to for me to go to individually so they do it for me and I said what's going on and they I think I think they had just become aware of it so that we, we were looking into it so I contacted the company um, and the response I got I, I expected it to be an error that somehow they had erroneously you know con- conflated their erotica and LGBT tags. And uh, they had not. It was on purpose. Um, 
It, they said it was something to do with the phone companies they had contracts with um, would view LGBT content as not suitable for minors. The phone company? That Because that was their hook. They were they were trying to get like uh, pre-installs with, with cell phone oh. companies in other oh, countries. Oh, wow. Um, That's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I... They sort of explain this to me as if, well, that's the reason, and and isn't it understandable? We don't want to do that, but we have no choice. And I replied, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, that's incredibly discriminatory. Uh, so I I made a little bit of a fuss. I wrote a blog post. I, I told them I was going to, um, and I wrote a blog post about it, and it got picked up. Um, and then I got a lot of attention from them over the course of the next day. And I got to say, I think within a day. They had they had changed the policy and they had they had fixed it and and they were no longer blurring out the covers of anything just because it was tagged LGBT. Yes, I I really, I um, it's amazing how even in digital spaces we have to be careful of the kind of representation that uh, that um, we have. Yeah, we have to be vigilant in every single way in every realm that we're in yeah i mean as human beings what does it say to uh, some kid who's got this e-phone reader app and they're scrolling now whether you think erotica should be blurred or not is a different story i don't really think it should but uh certainly not the covers but um that that they're being equated that that right. they're seeing these lgbt books and in that way they're being told these are other these are dirty these are things that are only for adults um that's that's harmful. That's that's dangerous. I would say in the twenty first century, mm-hmm. and your books are science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely harmless. <laughs> okay, well, so Brian, if you had to choose one book out of the series to make into a play, which book would it be? You did mention the karaoke play spin. Yeah. But if you had to choose only one, uh, I guess it would have to be the first one. The first one, partly because I mean, I guess I could figure out a way to do one of the other main plots as an as a first book. Um, but I love the whole series so much; I'd want to leave open the possibility of doing the others. So, uh, yeah, I'd probably do that. Um, I think it would be the also just now the producer part of my brain takes over, and I think yeah, that would be the easiest to uh, adapt to the stage in terms of effects and cast size and all that. Um, and it's dearest to my heart because it was my first baby. This is so, true. Uh, yeah, it would have to be Alan Lennox. Okay. What would be the scene? Oh, one scene from the play? Yeah, one scene. Oh, dear. Um, I'd want, let's see, it, it would have to be, certainly a scene with all of them together would be nice because I like the interaction between them. There's a scene early on. Um, I don't know how far along you are. The bar? Um, I do like, yeah, the scene at the bar maybe. Um, the nine one one distress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The distress get together. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, yes. That might be a good one. I was okay. also thinking there's a scene um, after a major event happens where they reconvene in Dakota's bedroom. Okay. Um, that I really like. And they sort of start planning for, you know, they're starting to realize the horrible things that are happening to them. And they're starting to put some of the clues together. And they realize they need to go in and investigate this company, Amalgamated Synergy. Um and I like that scene a lot because I think it really shows the sort of um, fun dynamic because they're comforting each other, but they're having fun with each other and we get in some of their sort of in-group jokes. Um, so I like that dynamic. I think it would be fun for actors to play. So I think I would choose that scene, that bedroom scene. Okay. All right. Cool. I, I'm not up to that part yet, <laughs> okay. but I've read enough um, descriptions of the book to mm-hmm. know that, yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah. So can't wait. Um Okay, and so for us pondering nerds, we're going to have a reading that Brian's going to gift us of the book 
the temp job from Doom of Doom. Caitlin Ross was a pretty blonde white girl in a room full of pretty blonde white girls. She looked over the sea of heart-shaped faces inside. Every open call was the same, a swarm of female actors putting the lie to all of her father's ungrammatical assurances that Caitlin was very unique. The audition was for an all-white musical adaptation of A Raisin in the Sun, which the producers were retitling Cochrasian. It would undoubtedly be horrible, and it didn't pay, but Caitlin hadn't been working lately and was getting desperate to appear in something. When she'd emailed the company her headshot and resume, she'd claimed that a reviewer had once described her as like a young white Debbie Allen, and almost immediately she was asked to come in and read for the part of Benita. <laughs> How was that? That is awesome. Oh my gosh. Cool. Brian, thank you so much. Thank you. This is great. For, for talking with, with us. Um, is there anything that we can look forward to in your work? Any special projects that you're doing? Sure. I actually uh, just put out um, the third book in another series, uh, my Multiverse Mashup series, uh, which is fun. It's much more of a, uh, it's still comedy, still sci-fi adventure, a um, bit more of a, an adventure romp. Um, each book in the series is two completely different genres smashed together, and the main character uh, patrols the multiverse, sort of untangling these disasters when these two universes that don't fit together fit together. So one of the books, the most recent book, is a sort of uh, Game of Thrones epic fantasy mixed with Encyclopedia Brown kid detectives type, and another is a world of light romantic comedy invaded by zombies. So that's sort of just like any kind of bizarre idea I have, I can I can throw them into this series. Um, so yeah, that's the most recent thing I've got out. So I'm really happy with that series. Is there any social media links that I can include to point people to that series of books? Um, yeah, I'm I'm Brian Olson Books pretty much everywhere. Okay. So I've got that's the website. I'm that on Facebook, on Twitter, on Tumblr. Um, pretty much Brian Olson Books, uh, and you'll find me. That's the main handle. That's it. The main handle to look for, folks. Okay, guys. Well, that is our interview for tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. In fact, I know you did. Um, and guess what? You can look for so much more Pondering Nerds content, interviews, convention footage, so much more at our different social media outlets um, like Facebook and Twitter. And you can find us on Stitcher and iTunes and any other podcast aggr aggregator of your choice. Um, you can also find us obviously on our website, giftedsounds.com, gifted sounds being art, the network that is our parent network. Thank you so much for having me today. This was so much fun. Thank you guys. Oh, and guess what? Our podcast is also available on gamingrebellion.com. There's so much news there. Definitely check out gamingrebellion.com for more nerdy content. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.